Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. We talk Memphis, you sound so good. We talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. And good morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins. Keith Quinn is out on vacation today, so standing in for Keith is Mac. And welcome, Mac. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Jim. Good morning. Well, you know, we have a, one of those programs today that I think is interesting because it's going to deal with something that everybody deals with. Either is I like to title it kind of as a sandwich generation, but the reality is we have that role reversal. Absolutely. And I think that's the title of today's program, Role Reversal, Taking Care of Your Parents. I know... I've been in that situation. Uh, we have a guest with us today, uh, Mac Bailey, who is an elder. Well, I guess I can't say elder lawyer. You know, I know Just he hears elder that. law. He, I think he, he would prefer. He hears that a lot, I'm sure. But he specializes in elder law, and we also have um, Mac. Uh, Mac is going to talk about through that, and then when we get to this end of the side of the program, Bill Reginald is going to walk us through with a, kind of some things personally. But the reality is, it's something that everybody has to deal with, and I think it's. Um, uh, a tough deal. I know with my mom, with my dad, it wasn't it wasn't a problem. But my mom was 92 and uh, just trying to work through some of the issues there. And I know my mom can I can remember when we got into that situation, she kept saying, saying to me, you know, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're doing this. And I said, hey, mom, somebody's got to do it. So uh, you just take care of the things you have to take care of. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not quite there with my parents yet. They're still uh, vibrant and independent, but that is uh, something that everybody has to consider out there on the horizon. And you may still have uh, children that you're taking care of, so you may have children and, and parents, parents in exactly, this role reversal. Exactly. So that's going to be a great program. That's, of course, uh, starting right after we take a break here in a few minutes. But, uh, Mac, I was looking in preparation for today's program. You know, this bull market that we're running here, Next year, next year is the in 2015 will be the third year that Barack Obama uh, is uh, his second four year term. So, third year of his second four year term. Now, you know, there's been a lot of presidents that have gone through and served two four year terms. So, there's some data about the second of the the third the second term third year. Share with us what the data looks yeah, like. Yeah, it was uh, that article was really interesting. Again, 2015 will be Barack Obama's third year of his second term. Uh, and the, the statistics were impressive. The S&P 500 has a positive total return in 19 of the last 20 third-year terms. And that's impressive all day long. A third year that's beginning, being a gain now of 20 plus 1%. That uh, third year, that's the averages. So that's pretty impressive. Now, again, we always say this. Past performance <laughs> is not, an, not indi- an indicator of future performance, <laughs> performance, but it is a good indicator, uh, something to look at. Well, it's something that we, you know, 19 of 20 is pretty pretty impressive when you think about that. And this S&P 500 bull market or this bull market, although it's, you know, the, it's taken the, the S&P 49 months to bounce back, which is everybody looked at that and said, okay, finally to achieve a new closing high during this current ongoing bull uh, that actually started March the 1st of 2009. 
The length of time to is double the 24-month average bounce back following the barrel bears. But here's the key. That's that's in since 1946. The key is though. The current stock bull market has lasted how many months? 66, Jim. 66 months. Absolutely, which is longer than the 58-month average of all the S&P bulls that have occurred since 1946. And again, we have to say past performance is what? Not indicative of future performance. (laughs) But we are still running with the bulls. We are running with the bulls. And, you know, it's uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Keith will be back next week. We'll dive into some of those numbers, and we have a, a great program set up for you for next week. But this week, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have Mac Bailey, who is the senior partner of the Bailey Law Firm specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, business succession, elder law, and probate. Lots of information. Uh, we'll also have Bill Reginald with us, certified financial planner. We're going to deal with role reversal. Taking care of your parents. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Standing in with me is Mac Jenkins. He's uh, taking Keith Quinn's place today and doing an excellent job. Remind everybody that this program is brought to you by the Uh, MBA program at Union University here on the Germantown campus. We appreciate their sponsorship of the program and thank them so much for what they do. And we have actually next week, Dr. Kevin Westbrook. Uh, He is a consultant, but he's also professor of marketing at Union University. And he'll be on the program next week and we'll really dive into some things that take place. By the way, Art, I noticed we didn't have the feed from the CBS with Market Watch. So... I'm going to do the Market Watch feed. How's that? Can I, you know, future futures are up. Dow Jones futures are up at uh, 68 currently. That's 40%. S&P is up also 5.5 or 27%. NASDAQ 14, and uh, that's a 34% increase. So, But I don't sound near as, as, as you know, gracious and better, oh, better. Oh, you're so kind. You're so <laughs> kind. I know better. I know better. Well, let's get down to some serious business here because this is the – the, the the real essence of the program, Mac. We're really going to dive into right. some some I think some some serious in you know things that we don't think about until they're too late. And, Correct. You know that's what happens to a lot. And we'll get Bill to tell us some of his personal stories. I have mine, but we want to welcome Mac Bailey. He is the senior partner of the Bailey Law Firm, specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, business succession, elder law, and probate. Now, I guess I want to start, Mac, with you. And um, when we talk about role reversal, I'm sure you see a lot uh, about taking care of parents. So explain to me what you actually get when you see with people like that. Well, many times what we'll have is that the uh, sandwich generation is are the people that are contacting us first about their parents. These are the people that may be taking care of aged parents and at the same time may have high school students or kids in college. And they are sandwiched between the older population and the younger population. And they're taking care of both sides of the family. Does that present, I know it does in some cases, but do you, when when we talk about elder law, I'd like to get a great definition because you're not old at all. So elder law, what are we talking about? That's right. Elder law has nothing to do with the age of the lawyer. It has to do with the age of the client. 
Um, elder law basically is a legal practice associated with issues in aging. So we're dealing with an aging population and what kind of legal issues that population is facing. Does it does it present? I mean, are there a lot of issues? I mean, I mean that's a specialty. Now I can see tax is a specialty. I know that you can see probate, as you mentioned, that's kicking. But elder law is there a lot of issues? There are a lot of issues. We're dealing with long term care costs. We're dealing with health care costs. Once you retire, we're dealing with the taxation of retirement benefits, senior housing issues, elder abuse and neglect. So yes, there are a lot of issues that fall under the elder law umbrella. Now, Bill, you, Bill Reginald spends uh, an enormous amount of time counseling people, Mac, as you know, and he works with, as a CFP who there in the firm, uh, a very senior member of the firm, uh, actually 30 years of, over 30 years. That's right, Jim. You know, Bill, uh, do a great job. Bill, you do a lot of counseling with, uh, with that age group, too. And talk to me a little bit about what you see is also when we talk about elder. That, that's right, Jim. Uh, you get clients early on. Uh, you stick around. They stick around. We get older. Yeah, we do get older. And so, <laughs> yes, we ha- have a lot of issues there. Um, you have to face them uh, and prepare for them, hopefully, beforehand. So you have clients that have uh, their parents that are in that situation of, of life where they need care and they can't handle it anymore. You know, and that, that we talk about that, and long-term care becomes probably the biggest issue. And, Mac, I know... We had talked earlier about five ways to pay for long-term care, and I think our listening audience would really benefit from you walking them through five ways to pay for long-term care. Great. There's five ways. The first is private pay, and, of course, that's writing a check, and that works as long as you have funds in the bank to do so. Second is long-term care insurance, and we're not insurance salespeople in our law firm, but we highly encourage long-term care insurance for our clients. Third is Medicare, but Medicare really only covers about 100 days in its primary rehabilitation. Then you have the two means-tested programs under the government umbrella, and that's Medicaid and then the Veterans Benefits, which is called Improved Pension. All right. That's the key, Mac, Improved Pension. Uh, this is for the veterans. Let's talk about Yeah, absolutely. That. I mean, that's a key, Mac. Yeah, the Veterans Benefits is a benefit that not many people are aware of, and it is available to veterans and widows or widowers of veterans to help pay for their long-term care cost. And it is a means-tested program, so it's based on income and assets. All right, help me figure out, if I've got a couple and I'm sitting there and they're in their 70s, let's say, he's a veteran, uh, walk me through the process, tell, tell me exactly what to do to help them get that benefit. Well, the first thing you need to do is look at their resources. There are certain resources that are exempt, like the residents, for example, and then there are other resources that are not exempt. And those resources would normally have to be spent down or transferred to the next generation in order for them to qualify. And then we look at income, and normally what happens is we have to make sure that their qualifying medical expenses are in excess or exceed what their monthly income is. And at that point, there's a possibility for us to apply for this improved pension which can range anywhere from $1,100 to $2,100 per month. It, I guess I'm, I'm, my concern, I, I know that this is done effectively and people do receive this benefit as a veteran, and it's very important. At the death of the veteran, what does the widow, does the spouse continue to receive any income? If, if the widow or widower qualifies, if they need long-term care, if they're qualifying as someone that needs assistance at home or at a facility, then they could continue to receive the benefit. So you, do you have to be in a long-term care facility to receive it? Yes, sir. Okay, so, all right, is there a benefit, though, that I can get as a veteran that just says it will pay you as a veteran if you're over 75 years old, if you have no assets? 
not unless there's a medical need or uh, some type of long-term care need either at home or at a facility. All right. I, I, I guess I'm going to, this is going to pinpoint you a little bit and I, we've got a few minutes here to cover this. And this is for me, I've had some, some issues where someone says, well, we have to put everything into a trust. Would you help me with that? Is that is that the protocol? Is that what you're going to tell them? Is that everything has to go into a trust, get it out of your estate? It's a good question. Um, the resource limits basically look at the assets of the individual when they're applying for VA benefits. Um, right now, there is no transfer penalty uh, for the VA improved pension. I noticed you said right now. Right now. there has uh, It's been proposed in Congress for the past three or four years to make the VA benefit transfer penalty similar to the Medicaid. Well, we'll talk penalty. about that when we come back, too, but the Medicaid. But let's go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, but the reality is that's an issue. You've got to transfer the assets out of the person that's receiving the benefits estate. That is correct, because the rule of thumb, there's no published guidelines, but the rule of thumb is for a single person uh, is $50,000 in resources, and that's not considered excessive. And for a married couple, it's $80,000, which is not considered excessive. And if you have excessive resources, then you cannot uh, qualify for the VA benefit. All right, so if I have excessive resources, over $80,000, I have to transfer those out of my estate. And there's, you can either transfer them directly down to the next generation, or you could transfer them to what we call a Veterans Asset Protection Trust, which is an irrevocable trust where the assets are held in trust until the veteran dies. All right, Mac, there's the loaded question. Because, I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Bill. You've got people that come to us, they ask us this question, and we think of, well, our answer is most of the time, just transfer it to the kids, give it to them, Get it out of your estate. It's a done deal. But I know, Mac, that a lot of attorneys look at it and say, well, that may not always work. So help me understand, kind of dissect that for me. Which is the best? There may not be a best way, but which would you prefer? Well, the family dynamics normally dictate what we recommend. Okay. So if there's one child and that child's very close to the parent and they have a great relationship, then the transfer of that child may be appropriate. If there's five different children and they all have different ideas about how mom and dad should be taken care of and how to spend their assets, then the trust may be more appropriate. All right. Walk us through the trust. The trust is what? The trust is an irrevocable trust where the uh, veteran or the veteran spouse transfers their resources to the trust. Normally, the children or the grandchildren or beneficiaries of the trust during the lifetime of the veteran. Um, the trustee could be a family member. And at that point, the trustee could make distributions out of the trust to one or more of the other family members, and those family members could then use the funds for the care of the veteran if necessary. All right. That's a sticky little situation, that when you, what you just described. Number one, let's talk about what does it mean when you say irrevocable or irrevocable? Irrevocable means which is the way, which is the current <laughs> tomato, way. tomato. Um, I think it can go both ways. But the main <laughs> thing to know about irrevocable or irrevocable is that you cannot change the trust. All right. I've had many clients the day after say, I need to make a change to my irrevocable trust. <laughs> and it is irrevocable. Which, yes, sir. If you look up that definition, it says you cannot change. You cannot change it. Yeah. So, all right. If I'm going to put something into my irrevocable trust, it's going to come to my children. You could pay money to the children. And the children can use that. On my behalf. That is correct. And there's nothing set in stone that requires the children to use the resources for that senior veteran. Uh, so there is some trust involved in creating the trust. Going back to the family dynamics there. Yes, sir. 
All right, the trust, you got to have some trust to develop the trust. You got to uh, trust your kids. <laughs> well, you know, that is critical. I mean, Bill, you're a perfect example. Uh, you took care of your father-in-law. And, That's correct. Uh, we're going to talk about that when we come when, in just a few minutes. But the reality is, I mean, we're talking about some things that all of us face. Uh, the kind of the, the thought process of today's program is role reversal, taking care of your parents. And uh, so important. And of course, if you're just listening, you're tuned in to, of course, AM 990. This is Talk Money, and it's uh, the voice of Memphis. We're so pleased to be a part of this program. We thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook. Just simply go to Shoemaker Financial. Also, you can find us on iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. If you missed part of this program and you want to listen to it again, just go to Shoemaker Financial and uh, iTunes at Shoemaker Financial, and you can get the program on tape and listen to it at your leisure. We'll be back in a minute. We've got to go in and listen to Charles Osgood, and we're going to take traffic and weather. But you're listening to Jim Shoemaker and Mac Jenkins. This is AM 990 Talk Money. Our guest, Mac Bailey, Bill Reginald. We'll be back after this. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. We're talking with Mac Bell Bailey and Bill Reginald. Mac Bailey with the Bailey Law Firm uh, concentrates his practice in the areas of state taxation, planning, estate allocation. And just basically, when you think about it, it's elder law, it's succession planning, it's business succession planning. Uh, I just like what Mac does. He does a great job. And Mac, we appreciate you being on the program with us, sir. Thank you. And uh, But let me go to Bill Reginald. Bill Reginald, Certified Financial Planner with the firm. And, Bill, I, um, I know your story, and I, I think your story is so critical because what we're talking about is dealing with that elder parent. And, of course, the title of today's program is Role Reversal, Taking Care of Your Parents. My mom was 92 when she passed away in the last seven years. Basically, we were doing something similar. But talk about your father-in-law because, to me, uh, it's tough when it's your in-laws. Yes, it is. Um, uh, my wife saw a grandmother whittle away, was, you know, just dwindle away in nursing home. She didn't want that. She wanted her parents to go into home with us. Her mom died of cancer, so she didn't make it. Uh, and that left her dad. Uh, and he eventually broke a hip and had to go into rehab, uh, into temporary uh I guess, care for a while. And uh, once he graduated from that, he gets out, walks out of the uh, car after we get back and falls and breaks the other hip. Yeah. Well, after that, he goes into the nursing home because he couldn't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, Bill, we need to get him in the house. Uh, are you okay? By all means, I'm going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. If you want it, we're going to do that. So mm-hmm. we had to buy a bigger house. Basically, we bought like a, a home that's a nursing home right, kind of thing, right. big enough to have uh, mm-hmm. care for him. So we brought him in. He lasted about 15 months, but we made sure we hired some people to come in because it's very tough on a family. So we had skilled care people. He could fo- he could afford that. He had a nursing home with bankers uh, policy with Bankers Life that helped cover it, but he had enough assets to pay for them. My daughter would uh, get a baby monitor, which at was night. a nurse. She's a nurse. She's a nurse. Right. So she had a little baby monitor. She would sleep in the house with her family if he's called out she would be right there so we had round the clock help yeah and bill one of the questions i get a, a lot is is when to plan for long-term care most people think if if that is as you get older you're in retirement 60 65 then you need to start preparing for long-term care true what are your thoughts there well uh before the house starts burning you get fire insurance so uh, before you need long-term care you got to be able to qualify for it young enough healthy enough that they'll issue a policy to you do some planning before that time comes. If you talk about doing some planning, Mac, I want to ask you, I mean, 
what is, if you think about long-term planning, this this idea, how do you help someone know to do the right thing without being led down some path that is benefiting maybe the investor or the advisor or the lawyer or whatever? I mean, I know that goes on. I mean, I've just seen one here recently that came to us, and no question in my mind, you know, in my opinion, it was all about the people doing the trust and people doing the products and stuff like that. And I get very frustrated with that because it's hard to it's hard to couch that because they do come around and they do a very, very good job on a group of people that really don't know all the ins and outs. And so they're very, I think, vulnerable at that particular time when you're doing the planning. I think it's key that, uh, that clients understand that long-term care planning is not a cookie-cutter practice. And what we see out there in the market many times is that a particular individual or professional knows about one of the available methods of paying for long-term care, and that's the only method that they focus on and the only method that they recommend to the client. So it's very key, I think, to do long-term care planning and look at all of the options all of the alternatives instead of focusing just on one, such as the VA benefit. All right. So in walks this person that says, we can guarantee you that you will get veterans benefits. And if you don't, if you don't do what we're telling you to do, you're probably not going to get it. Is that, I know that's not true. So I don't know why I was about to ask that question. Uh, How do you deal with that? I mean, I mean, how do you deal with that? It's a great rhetorical question anyway. Yeah. (laughs) There's no guarantees at the government level and the VA benefit is a government benefit. Um, so anybody that guarantees a government benefit has not is not telling the complete truth, right. unfortunately. They may not be lying, but they're not quite giving enough information. And you've got the vulnerable 75-year-old couple that's, that needs it, and they're, they're listening, and they go, okay, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. Well, and many times the consequences of the benefit is not fully explained to the client. For example, the VA benefit, if you transfer all your assets out of your name to qualify for the VA benefit— and then you need Medicaid three years later, there's a five-year look-back period for Medicaid, and you will not qualify for Medicaid, and the VA benefit at $2,000 a month will not cover $8,000 a month in skilled nursing costs. All right, that's, that's, let's, you, you set me up, so, so that's good. Medicaid, and uh, I want to talk about Medicaid. I mean, Medicaid is a benefit that all of us have earned the right, and this is for that group of people that, well, explain to me who Medicaid's for. Let's deal with that. And... And how you qualify. Yeah, how you qualify. But, Mac, I guess this is the question. Everybody that's listening, our listening audience today, we've got affluence listening, very affluent, and then we've got those that could never afford to come to a Mac Bailey law firm. So the reality is, how do we help everybody? I mean, I think my first opinion is, if they need skilled, excellent, quality advice, you're the guy to come to. That's, they, they, don't need, they don't need to hustle around and look around. For a lot of people who call themselves elder attorneys aren't doing the job. You do the job. So how do you move this person through that process and how do you protect them? Well, even long-term care planning can be beneficial to someone with a house and $100,000 in assets, especially if they're a single individual. Because Medicaid is means-tested or means-based, which means it's, it, they look at your resources and you have to spend down your resources to get down to $2,000 for a single individual to qualify for Medicaid. So it's really for impoverished seniors. Right. But in, during that spin down, there are ways to spend those resources to actually benefit the senior as opposed to just uh, take the money completely out of their checking account or their savings account where they don't ever see any benefit from right. it anymore. So when you're doing that, so let's take a young, let's take a couple that's in their 50s and uh, they've got parents that are in their 70s or 80s. And that's, you see that a lot. Absolutely. And uh, there's not a lot of wealth there. 
I mean, and so they're fearful that they're not going to have enough money. Uh, and, you know, after a while, if you don't have some help, after a while, let's say they've got $250,000, just using a number, $250,000, and they've got it in there, and mom and dad's being okay. They're living in their home. They're driving a car. Everything's fine. But now you do some planning. Today, if you decided to move all that $250,000, you're going to help me with this number, out, then five years from now, they could have those dollars available to use in addition to Medicaid. Am I correct on that? That's correct. All right. Walk me through would it be the whole quarter of a million if that's the case? Uh, no. If you're a married couple, the uh, at-home spouse or the community spouse, the person at home, can actually retain a significant amount of assets in their name and still allow the spouse, the institutionalized spouse or the nursing home spouse, to qualify for Medicaid. And what we see the, in our practice a lot is that people will be told, well, you have to spend down to $2,000. That's true for single individuals. Right. But for married couples, it's really more around one hundred and twenty dollars to $130,000. Um, and so at the end of the day, they've spent down to 2000 Then they go apply for Medicaid, and the at-home spouse has no resources to maintain their standard of living. And, boy, that, that is exactly what happens a lot. So now, I, if do, where's the house in this? If, if I'm the spouse and, and I'm going to be you know, hospitalized, nursing home, my wife, is going to, can she stay in the house, or what happens there? Absolutely. The house is an exempt resource up to $543,000, which is a national number. And so that number here in Memphis will cover most residences here. Absolutely. So that's extremely important, Mac, when you think about it. People need to know this stuff. And Absolutely. And here's the problem. They don't, and they end up, and I, we're going to talk about the cookie cutter. And, Mac, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, I like doing that on radio. It's live radio. I can do that. All right. Cookie cutter, and, and with, with as much grace as possible and mercy, Walk me through the issues with the cookie-cutter approach, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, the issues with the cookie-cutter approach is that they don't provide all of the consequences to the actions to the client. Uh, They focus on the here and now. They make a promise that wouldn't it be great for you to have another $1,000 to $2,000 a month in this VA benefit? Of course, everybody's going to say yes to the answer to that question. But what they don't tell them is that if you apply for this benefit and you do what we're asking you to do, it could have long-term consequences regarding the future. And the future is not always explained to the client. Bill, how about that for you? Uh, do you see that a lot where people, the future is really not walked through with a client like that? We, we see it all the time. I haven't run into as much as Mac has done, but I have people that have all kind of things coming at them in the newspaper, on the radio and stuff, and they have no clue which way is the best for them. And if you just tuned in, I really want you to know that we have a guest today that if you've got this issue, you should call the Bailey Law Firm. Mac, tell us your telephone number. I'm actually looking for it right now, and I don't think I have it on here. So. Well, I actually do know it. 901 901- Eight four three two seven six zero two seven six zero. Okay, eight four three two seven six zero. Of course, we'll keep it at the office. We have it at the office. Keep it here at the studio. If you just tuned in and you uh, want to get more information from Mac, please do so. One more time, Mac. What's that telephone number? Nine zero one eight four three two seven six zero. Last question, and not doesn't have to be the last question, but I guess I really do want to know. And from your chair, Mac, when you're counseling with someone, how do you manage the finances of an incapacitated person? I mean, I know you got all kinds of trust. you got conservatorships, power of attorney. Walk us through that so that the person listening can say, okay, here's some things I need to do. Well, the first step while you're capacitated is to go and sign a financial and health care power of attorney. 
Those documents are very inexpensive and easy to administer compared to a court proceeding called a conservatorship. All right. When you say the the, the signing of these these documents, now I know everybody listening thought, okay, I need to tell my seventy five year old mom or my seventy five year old dad. But I know that this is for everybody listening right now, that they need those two documents. So talk about them one more time. Anybody over age 18 needs a financial power of attorney and a health care power of attorney. Uh, And I I joke around that anybody 25 probably has a greater chance of becoming incapacitated in the next five years than actually dying. Absolutely. And so those documents, if they're not in place, there's no one that can step into your shoes and handle your finances and make health care decisions for you without those documents. So many people think that uh, my uh, wedding ban or my marriage license gives my spouse, my lovely wife of 42 years, all the control she needs. And that's not the case. It's not true. We, uh, on our regular basis, we tell people that birth certificates and marriage certificates are not financial and health care powers of attorney. And it's scary that people think that. Oh, my wife could take care of that, you know, and you know, and you can't. And you can be overseas. You can have all kinds of issues. I had a client years ago that her husband had a heart attack uh, overseas. He was on a mission trip. She was here. She thought no problem. And fortunately, we had it. We had a copy. She didn't know where the copy was, and we had a copy of the power of attorney and. Uh, that he had done actually without actually she did not know that he had that. So you know, it's it, it's things like that. If you just tuned in, our guest today, Mac Bailey, the Bailey Law Firm. He concentrates on his practice in the areas of estate taxation and planning. And of course, we've been talking about elder law. And uh, Bill Reginald's with us, certified financial planner. My uh, guy that's sitting over here on the right seat. We're going to dive into a subject in a few minutes. It's going to be one of those subjects that about uh, how do you interview and what's important about an interview. And uh, I have one. More question, and then we've got to take a break. And here's the question. Elder abuse. I know Bill, I mean, Gene said, hey, I don't want him there. And that's, so we're going to come back, and I want to dive into elder abuse, and uh, then I'll let you guys go. We so much appreciate you being here, though. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins, our guest today, Mac Bailey, Bill Reginald. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, just to remind you, uh, of course, the first half of the program brought to you by the MBA program of Union University, the Germantown campus. And the second half brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Since 1978, professional advice, quality products, and excellent service. It's not the plan. It's the results. And guys, that's really what we're talking about today. You got to do the planning, but at the end of the day, it's got to work. And uh, that's kind of the long-term care mindset. And uh, you guys have done a good job. Bill, we, before the break, we, we talked about a little bit about, ch- you know, this whole idea about child or older, elder abuse. And I'm thinking child abuse, but really that's one thing. But this financial. That's been, that's been in, the, uh, in yeah, the news a couple of times. A couple of times. And uh, we don't see this in the news, but I know it occurs. I've actually been an issue, you know, been a part of a problem where we discovered that we even had uh, a child uh, overdoing it and cooking the book sometimes and, and, and actually took money from his mom and uh, away from his sister and brother. Um, he was the trusted child. Uh, and just recently, I, I, I mean, it's all kind of lawsuits. Again. And usually these are fairly large estates that get caught up in that, but not ever. But I know Jean was concerned not about abuse, just about her dad being in a nursing home. I know a lot of people are concerned about that. Is there abuse there, Bill? Did you did you think that, or were you just concerned about the care? Well, uh, 
he wasn't in there long enough, but she made visits. I think that's important. Make visits to be there, see what's going on, tell them what you want to happen, and make sure it happens and, and it's getting taken care of. If you don't oversee it, who knows what happens. Now, we did have a stepmother in there that uh, she would do the same thing, and she was in, not at home. She was in a nursing home. We could not take care of her. And Jean would go and visit time to time, long hours, see who it's uh, dealing with her, yeah. all the caretakers, and make sure they were doing it right. So she oversaw it, and I think that was crucial to avoid those things. If you leave them alone, never go, beware. Yeah. Mac, what about elder abuse? But elder abuse is a problem, unfortunately, and there's really two types. It's physical and financial. And on the physical side, uh, what you want to look for is either bruising on, on your family member. You want to look at self-isolation or withdrawal from other family members. On the financial side, you want to look at depletion of resources or where the senior is no longer paying their bills on time because they may not have the resources anymore or maybe a change in lifestyle where the senior used to do something and now they're not doing it, and that may be because they don't have the resources anymore because it's been stolen or taken. So, unfortunately, elder abuse is a problem in this very community. Well, if you've got that problem, talk to me. I mean, what do I do? And there's a number of different options. One is you can actually call your local police department and have them do a senior citizen wellness check where they'll go by and check on the senior. Um, You can also call Adult Protective Services where they'll go out and do a home visit. Um, Obviously, you can engage a lawyer to investigate the potential abuse and then maybe file for an adult guardianship or conservatorship over that person to get control over their finances or take them out of uh, the abusive situation. Do you find that's usually a a problem, more financial abuse, or are you seeing physical abuse? Well, in our office, we see mostly financial abuse because at that point, uh, normally the police department or adult protective services will take care of the physical abuse. But the financial abuse comes uh, to our law firm based on the fact that we're trying to recoup assets on behalf of the senior from the person who from took the, person the resources. Took, yeah, I can see that. I, I can tell you personally that I remember my mom, and she was in a nursing home. I mean, it just there was no way we could take care of her, my sister or myself. And uh, so because of the, some of the things that were going on in her life at the time. And I can remember going in to visit her. And, and Bill, we did exactly what you're talking about, uh, frequent visits. Uh, a lot of times I did almost every weekend for about 18 months. Uh, to Jackson, Mississippi, to do that. I can remember I saw two bruises on her, basically, arms, forearms. And it looked like somebody maybe had taken her hand, their arm, their hands and, and shaken her, maybe. Okay. Well, I remember going to the administrator and calling them out about this. And I tell you, we got into a hearing about it. And, and again, it wasn't, I wasn't accusing anybody. I just wanted to make sure. Well, in reality, 90% of the time they were trying to set her up hold her up. She bruised extremely easy. I trusted these people. They, they had a great, and I guarantee you that's the important thing is always know that you've got somebody you can trust. And you said trust, uh, a trust in order to trust. And that's a good thing. I think uh, one of the big things too, Jim, is to, that, that both Bill and Mac have said is to be involved yeah. just because mom or dad or, or grandmother or grandfather happens to be in a, in a facility, whether it be nursing home or assisted living, you need to stay involved Go see them. Make sure you're getting accomplished what needs to be accomplished. Last takeaway, Bill. There was one thing we mentioned about the cost. Be aware of the cost that you're being charged, nursing home facility, whatever. Go down the list. Mm. We found myriads of mistakes that would cost us lots of money. So pay attention to that. Do a detailed audit. Make sure you know what they're charging for and hold them accountable. Absolutely. Last take, Mac. Well, I, 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 I think that if you 
if the, is a direct correlation between the number of times you go visit your parent at a facility and the level of care they're going to get. It's just human nature. So the more you're involved, the more you're asking questions of the social worker, of the dietitian, of the executive director, of the activities director, uh, the more likely that your parent is going to get a higher level of care. Well, you've been listening to Mac Bailey, the senior partner of the Bailey Law Firm. They concentrate uh, on the areas of estate planning and estate taxation, asset protection planning, charitable gift planning, business succession, and elder law. And we've really kind of concentrated somewhat on elder law, talked about VA benefits, talked about Medicaid, uh, five, uh, the whole idea around the five-year wait period. you got to wait for five years. Five ways to pay for long-term care. And so great program. Remind you that if you would like to listen to this program again, all you have to do is find us on uh, iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, and you can re- listen to this program again. Like us on Facebook, and that's uh, we would like everybody to know that. Mac, we've got a couple of things that we need to do, but uh, I want to make sure a couple of housekeeping things. Mac, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Bill, thank you so much, sir. Thank you as well. These guys did a great job. Very good. Very good. Very very knowledgeable. Very And, you know, it is a subject that so many people need to listen to. Absolutely. And like Max said, it applies to everybody. It's not for the wealthy. It's for everybody. Everybody Everybody needs to take part in long-term care. I like the fact that the house doesn't have to be given away or put in a trust. I mean, it it stays with the surviving or the spouse that's living there. She doesn't all of a sudden, or he doesn't, feel like, hey, they're taking my house away from right. me. Right, and so many times I hear, hey, the house is going to get attached. It's going, right. It's going away. I think people need to understand they need to seek a lot of advice, good quality advice, and we've had two guys on the program today that know that. So I've uh, got a financial and estate planning strategies for medical professionals coming up in the office. Uh, two guys are going to do that, Nathan Green and? Nathan Powell and Jason Harrington. Nathan Powell and Jason Harrington. Okay, good. Uh, and that's October the 2nd. It's from 6 to 7. Uh, if you're listening and you're interested, you can call the office at 757-5757. Ask for Miss Judy, and uh, you can uh, RSVP. That's all you have to do. Mac, one of the biggest things that I think so many people forget and, and think about with this, what we're talking about, when we come back, I want to dive into the interviewing process. You're in charge of all the manpower development of everything that goes into the firm, and you just basically look at this enormous number of people that are wanting to go to work, and you go through the process of selection. And I want you to tell us a lot about that selection process, what they're looking for. Uh, you've just got a you've got a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, you 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 hit it. You picked a good topic, so we can uh, we can certainly go through. That I mean, you interview back. a lot of people. If you just tuned in, this is Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. You're listening to Talk Money on AM 990. You can like us on Facebook. Also, find us on iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. You can always listen to this program again. That's Mac Bailey who was our guest, and Bill Reginald. Also, we talked about elder care. So. Just like us on iTunes, and uh, you can find us right there. Just look under Shoemaker Financial. We'll be back right after we take a look at weather. We, and I guess we don't have Market Watch, so I'll give them. We do have Market Watch. we got weather, traffic, and Market Watch. We'll be back right after this. Well, welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins, uh, one of the, the my managing partner, my partner uh, in the in the firm of Shoemaker Financial. Uh, and Mac, you are in charge. And I guess for the radio listening audience, um, you are the guy that's in charge of the future of the firm. Well, that's a scary statement, uh, but but you are. But I guess so. And you basically have done a wonderful job, a uh, great job actually of. Um, 
building this next generation. I mean, so many times you have a firm, and again, we've been around almost 37, 38 years, and the reality is it's easy for that to just kind of die after the, you know, the founder, myself, stops. Well, you've done a phenomenal job. I mean, I know we came together about five years ago and said our average age was approaching 45, and now you've driven it down below 40. Correct, below 40 currently. Below 40, and uh, doing a great job at that. So I thank you, sir. For that and the legacy will continue, and you're going to do that. I know with other guys that you got a whole team of people working. Here's my question for you: As yes, so sir. many people ask, how do I interview, and especially for a financial planning firm? But how do I interview? Period. What are the things? Because you interview a lot of people, and you have some some people selection people in the office. What are they looking for? What stands out? Yeah, I think there there are a couple of things. First of all, I would I would encourage anybody that's interviewing if you really want the job or the career. This doesn't need to be your first one yeah. because your first interview is not going to go good. The first time we do anything is not good. So you need to you need to have some practice. You need to go through some mock interviews. So I would encourage everybody to, to get some practice. Don't go in blind. Number two, I think you need to be dressed professionally. Mm. All right. You need to be the best dressed person in the room. Mm. The person interviewing you already has the job. All right. They're not interviewing. Right. You're the spotlight is on you. So you need to look professional dress professional, especially in the financial services business. We dress professional, we act professional. Right. So so when you say dress professional, all right, I, I can remember when I started, I had one suit. No, I actually didn't have a sport coat. I had one sport coat. Um, then you need to have it on. I have it on. <laughs> With, and dress, well, you know, and I shined my shoes. You know, I made sure. I mean, I've seen guys come to some interviews, uh, and I just looked at it and said, maybe this is the first time they've ever put on a suit. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things, and and for us, you can look at the shoes and know how prepared they are. Most people are going to come in coat and tie. I mean, that's a given in today's world. Sure. Look at the shoes. If the shoes are well taken care of, it's gonna. It, they're professional. Attention to detail. Attention to detail. Okay. In our business, we deal. We handle money, Jim. Yeah. We have to have attention to detail. That's a good point. Okay. Good point. Um, they need to be prepared. They need to know something about the company they're interviewing with. Have they done? A small bit of research. Yeah. Know that we've been in business thirty-eight years. Know where we have offices. Know what the know some of our advisors. So th- to give questions. What happens is a lot of times, especially in our interview, I ask a lot of questions. Okay, um, they need to be asking questions as well mm-hmm. for someone who comes in and and of course I get them on the on the back end of the interview process. Right. They've already gotten through three basically three, three, rings, three, three, three layers so of interviews. Somehow they've gotten that far so Absolutely. this has to be a quality person that you Correct. Talking. And and my first question is do you have any questions for me? That is done very purposely to see if they've prepared for this interview. Mm. And for people that say I don't have any questions, are they really are they really interested or are they really engaged and and what it comes down to for us, Jim, is I'm looking for someone who is passionate about not only our industry but our company. Mm. All right, and if you have no questions, you're in front of the you're in front of the managing partner. Not that that means anything, but that's the last interview. Okay, that's the last interview you're going to have one way or the other. Mm-hmm. If you have no questions, how interested are you? Boy, that's that's a, you know that's that should be obvious, but it uh, probably it's not. is not. Do you do you find that there's a certain mindset for this millennium group about their interviewing and how they interview? Is that the, I mean the ones that are seeking for a job now? You got a, a career changer, he's probably more prepared. Correct. 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 I think that that one of the things that we find from the from the younger generation. Uh, on the on the interviewing, they are certainly professional. They know they know they need to do that. The one thing we we find typically that they are lacking 
is that research and they're wanting someone to chase them. All right. They're wanting to interview you as much as you're interviewing them. And even though I do think it's a mutual selection process, again, Correct. going back to we've been in business 38 years with or without any single candidate, mm. we will be in business next year. Mm-hmm. All right. So it is a it is a mutual selection process. But the the younger generation, not entitlement, not entitlement. I won't go that far, even though we've interviewed some of those. Right. But I will say uh, they are much more interested in being chased than being the chaser. Mm. And our business is a business of pursuit. You come in pursuing. You are pursuing clients. My phone does not ring time after time after time, hour after hour after hour, with people wanting to invest money with me. It is about pursuit. So they need to start that early in the process. Well, you said be prepared, understand the system, be passionate. I like that, and 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 pursue. I mean, want the want the job, want the career. The person interviewing you needs to walk away with the thought process of this person really wants it. Well, if you just tuned in, I've been talking with Mac Jenkins. He's been in for Keith Kim Quinn today, who's on vacation. Great job today, guy. I appreciate it. We had great guests. And uh, next week we've got uh, Doctor. Kevin Westbrook will be with us, and he's from, of course, Union University, and that's a sponsor of ours. We appreciate them. Mac Bailey, the Bailey Law Firm, Bill Reginald, Shoemaker Financial. Mac Jenkins, of course, the senior partner. Our producer and focus person that's done all the things for us today is, of course, Art Frederick. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. CBS News at the top of every hour and the most local talk in the Mid-South. This is AM 990 KWAM Memphis.